Hello, baseball. You like that one, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, guys, up. to another episode of Ballpark Beef Podcast. We are back here to get the beef sizzling. You know the motto. We got the beef. Let's get it sizzling. Same thing every week. We're going to bring you the best baseball content out there. Because guess what? We are the best. The best to ever do it, baby. All right, so let's uh, let's get into our team recaps. We have... I'm always going to start off with the Reds because uh, I know Matt. Just get that out of the way. Uh, so let me uh, hear about them uh, Reds. Well, uh, it's more of the same. You know, we dropped every series we've played in the past week. Um, just looking bad. Uh, hope on the horizon. We have people coming back from injury to hopefully get a a few more plate appearances, innings pitched as the season comes to an end. But uh, we've been statistically eliminated from playoff contention right now. We're not going to win more than 100 games. Or, sorry, not going to be over 500 on the season. It's just depresso mode. And uh, just going to ride out the rest of the season like a good fan. And that's about it. Spoken like a true Reds fan. You know what? Brighter things are on the horizon, Matt. You know, uh, it could be worse, but it could also be better, right? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Now, uh, let's go to a team that's uh, been relatively hot lately, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Nick, they're 7-3 in their last 10. Uh, yes. How are they getting this done? Um, split series against the Nationals over the weekend and a uh, series win against the Pirates. Um, you wow. Know, just, wow, yeah. Uh-huh. You got to win those games. Uh. We got a big series against the Brewers, though, uh, starting tonight. We're, uh, we're eight up on the division. I think a series win here pretty much locks it up. Um I mean, some notable players, uh, as everybody should know, Albert Pujols hit two more home runs this week, passing A-Rod for uh, fourth all-time for home runs. Um, Molina and Wainwright um, also made some history, tying the most starts for a battery uh, in MLB. And on the same day, Molina hit two home runs. Unfortunately, the Cardinals did get blown out that day. And uh, this is this is uh, the one that surprises me the most is that Montgomery and uh, Quintana are honestly just solid start after solid start for St. Louis ever since they got traded to us. Love to see it. You're welcome for Montgomery. Uh, looks like he uh, learned how to pitch the right way. Uh, when, you got, when you got a good defense behind you. The Yankees have a solid defense. Anyways, um, let's hear from the uh, Yankees little brothers in New York, uh, the Mets. Yeah, that would be the uh, the big brother of New York. Um, I don't know if you got the memo, but, you know, uh, actually this week we were probably acting like the little brothers. So let me take that back. We're five and five in our last 10. Um, you know, we're just kind of chugging along. We're we're still in first place. We're up a game and a half on the Braves as of this recording. You know, we're we're doing our job. We're, we're keeping distance from the Braves a little bit, but they're kind of losing at the same time. So um, not really doing us any favors. We're not really doing ourselves any favors right now. Um, got a couple key contributors lately. Uh, the catcher spot for the Mets has been really productive lately. Tomas Nito leading the way with a 400 batting average in his last 10 games. James McCann right there behind him with a 375 batting average. Um, their OPS combined is over 1,000. So really seeing some good contributions from the catching position lately. Um, and let me just tell you, Eduardo Escobar is absolutely on fire, adding 500 in his last 10 games, 1482 OPS. Um actually in third place in war in the month of September. So just behind, I believe, Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays and Aaron Judge, obviously, who's just disgusting and on another level. But uh, anyway, Francisco Lindor has also been playing really well lately. 
Um, seeing a little bit of a, a struggling Jacob deGrom on the mound tonight. You know, just trying to keep that starting pitching up and, and really just hold off the Braves. And Braves are pesky, good team. And we need to beat those those bottom dwellers in the division uh, to be able to maintain our lead or else it's going to get tight down the line. Yeah. yeah, can you start winning some games? <laughs> and I'd like to. I predicted last week uh, foolishly that we would have some good things to talk about today for, uh, for the Mets. Um, sad to say that that's not necessarily the case, but you know we're going to keep chugging along. Um, you know, hopefully we get uh, Mr. Max Scherzer back pretty soon. Get some some quality outings out of him the last uh, month and a half of the season, and really, uh, really just take it to October. There you go. Uh, the Braves are on a three-game losing streak, so that's good to hear for you guys. Um, yeah, I think the best thing about you guys this week is every time you lose, the Braves just give it right back. <laughs> Something we're not accustomed to because the Braves had been winning every game against anyone not named the New York Mets uh, lately. So it's nice to see them finally get their ass handed to them. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about my Yankees. How about that? Uh, oh, wait, we... One more thing. Shout out to uh, former Reds Eugenio Suarez for absolutely tanking that ball. Oh, man. Eugenio Suarez. What a baseball player. I wish he was still on the Reds. He. He leads the league in home runs since the start of like 2018 or 2019, something like that. 2018, yeah, I saw that too. Just a beautiful right-hand swing. Yeah, miss it for sure. Yeah, you know, we all miss it. Um, But yeah, let's uh, talk about the Yankees, right? Best team in the league. As we always Uh, do. They're not the best team in the league. (laughs) Uh, They won their past two series, as I'm happily uh, happy about. Six and four in their last ten. Currently uh, playing the Red Sox right now, and uh, we're tied three-three. Uh, Judge hit his fifty-six home run tonight. Still continually making his case uh, for AL MVP. Uh, we've had some, you know, we got to see Oswald Peraza play a few games last week. He went three for four one game. Uh, for some reason, they continue continuously uh, are going to start Josh Donaldson though. Uh, he went on the paternity list this weekend and everyone was saying, Oh, let's, let's hope he has another baby. Well, we were all hoping so, but nope, he's back. Anyways. Um, IKF that he's him. IKF solid dude. He's very solid. Hit a grand slam this weekend. We're just calling for his departure from the infield. He wanted to see the young guys play. Who Donaldson? IKF. No, I, 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 when he moved over to third, he looked way better. Oh he looked so much. Two weeks he ago, so you much wanted better. IKF to ride the bench, and you wanted your young players to start over. No, no I told what. you. I said I wanted IKF at third and Peraza at short. That's what I said. They did that, and it looked good. But no, Donaldson's back now, so we're back in the same old shit bin. Uh, but yeah, so the Yankees are playing decent right now. We know we're holding off the Rays. Rays are five and a half back. Um, little injury update: Bader, uh, Chapman, Britton, and Castro all had rehab uh, assignments. Uh, they started. Bader's playing tonight. Bader went one for three in his first game in rehab. Chapman threw a scoreless inning, striking out all three. Britton struck out two in a scoreless inning, and then Castro threw a, a clean inning, not allowing a hit or walk. Uh, some more injury updates: Rizzo should be coming back soon. Yeah, I mean that. That's it. <laughs> the rest of them, who knows when they're coming back? So. I got, is, a, I got a question uh, for you guys. I got an impromptu question off the top of my head. Okay. Andy, Andy Martino recently reported that he would prefer Garrett Cole on his team over Jacob deGrom. I'm not going to say anything else about that. I just want to hear everyone's take on on that that hot, hot take from Andy Martino. 
I'm taking Degrom. Uh, I Degrom shoves. Degrom's scary. That's, That's my Yankees opinion. fan speaking. Okay. Degrom is scary. Like when you go up against Garrett Cole, it's either he's gonna be scary or not even scary, but like he's gonna control the the game. But Degrom's just scary. That's my opinion. In my opinion, Jacob Degrom could shut out any lineup in the league with just his fastball and his slider. Garrett Cole couldn't do that with every pitch in his arsenal. You you go with DeGrom 10 times out of 10 on that. It's such a cold, cold take. Yeah. Without even a hesitation. That dude, Andy Martino, should probably not be reporting about sports anymore. Yeah, what is uh, wrong with him? <laughs> when did he say that? I think it was either yesterday or today. Um, he needs to be fired. That is such a bad take. And I'm a Yankees fan, man. And that's just a terrible take. We all know DeGrom is a superior pitcher. He's When DeGrom's healthy, he is the best pitcher in the league by by a lot. A lot. Yeah. A yeah lot. I, think, I think Andy Martino is having some interesting takes lately. Um, I don't know. I, it, another one for you guys. So I think this one, um, I don't know if this was Andy Martino or something else, but um, Buck Showalter went with Darren Ruff off the bench in a pinch hit situation with the bases loaded uh, down, I think, three. Oh, sorry, down four in the eighth. Um, Darren Ruff is one for 33 as a Met. He has a seven, that's right, seven WRC plus as of his acquisition to the Mets. Um, yeah, 100 is league average. So he is literally 93% worse than the league average. So he went with Darren Ruff off the bench instead of the rookie uh, Mark Vientos, who absolutely raked in AAA out the call to the show and kind of has been just sitting on the bench, laying stagnant. Um, what are you guys doing there? If you're a manager, are you taking the veteran who does well against lefties but is struggling currently, or are you going with the uh, the new guy that just got brought up? I'm going with the new guy, man. That's He gets that hit, you don't know what kind of rhythm he'll get in. Because if you get that hit, man, that that's like a huge weight off his shoulders, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's, put, it's, putting the, uh, it's putting the tea bag into hot water, you know? It's where you where you see a player make or break, you know, in the kind of style that they're going to do it. You know, you live for those moments as a player, and I'm sure Darren Ruff has seen his fair share of moments, but you got to get this kid his moments too. Yeah, I mean, if if Darren Ruff's batting one for 33 and he's coming off the bench, uh, I'm just going to assume that most of the time when he's in, it's against lefties, and if he's still batting, like, terrible, uh... I'm not going to keep throwing him out there. I'm going to try something new. And like Wag said, guy gets his first hit. Who knows what he'll do after that? Yeah, and and I mean, you know, the guy was hot in AAA. So you're going to call him up just for him to sit on the bench and, like Jimmy says, just be stagnant? Like, that's the same thing with Peraza. They're, they're doing well in AAA, and then you kind of just stunt their growth by letting them sit on the bench and not play and, you know, progress. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're not playing at all. Yeah, no, that's those those are interesting takes. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think that I would go with the veteran, um, but that's just my opinion. You know, I think that putting a, a rookie in that kind of a situation, um, especially in a pennant race, I don't think I'll be honest with you. I don't think Viento should have been brought up. I was really excited for him to debut, but I think the circumstances with which he was brought up, you know, I think the Mets had just given up the first place lead at that point. There's a lot of pressure um, in the media to kind of make a move and do something. Um, having had some some struggling you know trade deadline acquisitions 
but yeah, no. So at that point, they brought Vientos up, and I think it was a little too early for him. So I'll, I'll be honest, I'll go with the I'll go with the veteran pretty much every time there. Um, you want the rookie to get his reps, but I think at a different time. You know, I don't think Vientos is is uh, you know the right choice there. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah but you got to imagine the pitchers don't really know what what he's working with yet. So that's that's plus one for him. Yeah, no, that's a fair take. I don't know. It's just it's just hard to see like a, an established manager with a really good team, you know, just putting a rookie in that kind of a situation. Um, oh, yeah. Just a little too early. I get it. I get, I get what you're saying, but <clears throat> what's the point for calling him up then? Yeah. I agree. That was my whole point. Like, I don't yeah. think he should be up with the club right now. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, um, let's get into these rule changes. We got some spicy rule changes for next year uh, that were voted on and approved by the league, not by the players. Because the players were against, uh, I'm pretty sure. I think the players were against these rule changes. Uh, So the first one was bigger bases. Uh, So the bases will increase from 15 inches to 18 inches. My take on that is I think it's it's not a bad move. Um, You're seeing a lot of days guys are just kind of sliding over the bases. Um, I mean, three inches isn't really that big of a difference to me. I mean, maybe for a professional athlete. But uh, what do you guys think? I I'll think it's smart. First. Oh. Uh, <laughs> my bad. Uh, I think it's smart. You know, um, a lot of the times when the bang bang plays are first, you know, sometimes, I mean, your foot is covering half the bag as a first baseman. Sometimes if the throw is bad, I think uh, increasing the bases allows uh, less injury chances. Also from like sliding and stuff, you know, a lot of these people, they wear gloves and everything and sometimes they get cleated. So I think making the, <clears throat> making the bases bigger and allowing the players to have more, I guess you want to say room on the base is uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a big thing about safety too. You know, like honestly just having that extra bit of room allows runners to run down the line, you know, pitchers covering even, you know, coming in and, and having those extra couple of inches to be able to stay away from runners. I think we'll see a little bit of a decrease in, in injuries as a result of collisions at first. And I think I'm all for that. You know, we want to see our superstars on on the field not obviously on the IL. That's kind of not where they belong. Um, but yeah, and I think it'll also increase stolen bases. I think it'll be pretty cool to see, you know, the, that effect as well. Uh, you know, coupled with some of the other rule changes we'll cover in a minute here. Um, you know, we may see tons of steals next year. And I think that kind of adds to the game. For me, I think it's the um, it's the review factor. I think it's going to make uh, on-field reviews uh, a lot easier for New York to spot. You know, you're getting a much wider canvas with uh, the base on like a bang bang play to first, and uh, you know it's no. In my opinion, it's really no big advantage to either party, whether it's the offense or the defense. You know, the runner is going to get a, a wider platform to you know get to the base, but it's also going to give the the fielder a wider platform to make sure they're on the base. You know, it's it's a neutral thing that's just going to help out in more ways and it's going to diminish the game. Yeah, sounds good. All right, uh, next one is banning the shift. So let me just go into the details here. So all four infielders must have both feet entirely on the infield dirt when the pitcher is on the rubber. Two infielders must be entirely on either side of second base and failure to comply re- will result in an automatic ball. Uh, for me, I'm not a big fan of this rule. I I like the shift uh, just because it adds a strategic component to the game. It 
that's that's really all I got because I'm just really not a big fan of banning the shift at all. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think earlier this week, I think it was uh, Terry Francona um, made a comment about the uh, shift and said that he said something like they shouldn't uh, be banning it. Uh, these are professional athletes. If if they're going to complain about always hitting into the shift, then they got to change the way they hit and hit the opposite way. I mean, you can't just be one sided anymore in today's game. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like, these guys are professionals, you know. You're brought up, you know, learning how to hit into the shift, against the shift, yada, yada, yada. They, you know, you got to learn to be that way. Now you're just going to, you know, say, okay, no more shift. There's That takes out the strategic component of the game. So that's why I'm kind of against it. Yeah, overall, completely hit the rule. Um you know, I was an infielder and I enjoyed playing on a little bit into the grass because, you know, some some people could smoke the ball towards you and, you know, you need a little bit more time to react and be able to make a play for your pitcher, you know, as a defender. And, um, you know, I think eliminating strategy in any game is kind of um, a, a bad handicap to add. Uh, and, you know, with that, I think it'll help some batters um, and I think it'll it'll hurt others. But, you know, really, I, I don't I don't like the rule. Um I think it takes away with a lot, a lot from the game, a lot of strategy, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, late gameplay kind of tactics. Even with two strikes, like just shifting in in that one count is important for some teams. Um, and honestly speaking, I wish we shifted when when we played high school baseball because I think we could have been a much better defensive team. You know, playing to some hitters' tendencies of of pulling the ball on the ground. Yes, hundred percent. Well, I hate to rain on your parade. But I absolutely love the fact that they're banning the defensive shift. Let me tell you why. When a power lefty comes up to the plate and the infield puts on a shift, one of two things tends, or one of three things, I guess, tend to happen. Either the power lefty sends a ball 450 feet deep into the night, he shoots a dribbler down the third baseline and legs it out for a double, or he hits it right into the shift. Now, of those three hits, one of them is probably not a barrel. It's probably hit off the bat at like 78 miles an hour. One of them is a tank to right center, and the other one tends to be a 100 mile an hour plus line drive that's just swallowed up by the shift. What banning the shift is going to do is it's going to put an, an emphasis on barrels and better hitting. You know, you say, oh, well, you're a professional baseball player. You need to completely change your game so that you can avoid hitting into this, I say no. Get good at what you're good at and let the game react to you. So now you're going to have... It did, did react shift. to you. That's what the yeah. shift was. Yeah. What do you... No. Like, the the shift takes away that good hard line drive over the second baseman's head completely away. Yeah, because... Now, now you're looking for ground balls to get through the infield and it's it's not rewarding good hitting. Good hitting is hitting the ball hard, not like hitting it in the right spots. Good too, but you want to hit the ball hard. That's what this game is about nowadays, and I think that you should be rewarded for hitting the ball hard. The other point that I want to make is that it's going to put emphasis on good defending again. You know, you can't just plop yourself right in the middle of the outfield where the ball statistically lands nine times out of ten. If you want to get to that ball, you have to get to that ball. You need to be a good athlete out in the field, and I think the shift takes away from that. And by getting rid of the shift, we're going to see a lot more emphasis on on defense in the game again. 
Yeah. Well, interesting takes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, All right. So last one is the pitch clock. So just a rundown, quick rundown. Once the ball is ready for play, the pitcher must begin his motion within 15 seconds with the bases empty and 20 seconds if there's a runner on. The batter must be in the box alert for the pitcher within eight seconds of time the timer starting. If the pitcher is late, he's charged with an automatic ball. If the batter is late, he's charged with an automatic strike. The pitcher may disengage from the rubber no more than twice per plate appearance. If the batter advances during the plate appearance, the disengagement counter is reset. If the pitcher steps off or throws to base to the bases a third time, the runner automatically advances if the pickoff attempt is unsuccessful. In order to speed up play generally, there will be a 30-second limit on both mound visits and the time between batters. Um, Jimmy, you want to take this one first? Yeah, um, love this rule. I think it's going to be really nice for pace of play. Um, the one thing, I'm very curious to see how all these rules, like the little nuances of them play out next year. Like I'm interested to see the nuance of base stealing now that the bases are larger. For this rule specifically, the the pitch clock rule, I'm interested to see what happens after the first two pickoff attempts that a pitcher uh, attempts to make. Like, what type of lead that runner now gets or tries to take because they know that their third pickoff attempt needs to be successful or else they're just given second base. So I'm very interested to see how these types of things play out. I'm also interested to see, like, these infractions. I feel like the the violations of these rules will will occur, or, well, specifically the, the, the pitch clock rule. I think the violations will occur, and I wonder if over time they'll decrease to a point where it's not annoying. Because I could imagine in the early part of the season, you know, it'd be really annoying to see like four infractions in in a starting pitcher's outing, you know, changing the course of the game by altering the count, right? So those kinds of things. I'm interested to see how those types of nuances play out. But overall, for pace of play, I really like this rule. I went to a minor league game where they had a, a pitch clock. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely good for pace of play. Uh, the only thing that is definitely going to be interesting is pitchers getting used to this. I know uh, the major league average is well above uh, the 15 seconds. Uh, so it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how pitchers, you know, get get used to this. And I feel like early on in the season, there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, infractions with this because, you know, they were their whole life. They're you know taught to, you know, take your time, take a deep breath, you know. So we'll see. Well. If you want my input on this, uh, it's kind of a 50-50. I mean, taking it from a fan perspective, I think it's a good rule to have. um, You know, so you're not sitting in the stands, kind of like dozing off, waiting for them to finally throw a pitch. Um, I think it is going to improve the time of the game where they basically want you in and out. Um, As a player, though, if I was in the MLB, I personally would not like this rule. Um, I don't know. I mean, they said you have to acknowledge to the pitcher uh, at eight seconds, but you're basically giving yourself seven seconds to do whatever you want after each pitch. Um, I would just feel rushed. Um, I do not like the two pickoff attempts per bat. I think it is going to give the base runner um, way like an advantage to just steal the bag. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to get thrown out with that. Um, So yeah, I'm not, as a player, I wouldn't be happy. As a fan, I think it's great. I think for fan service alone, it's worth having. Um, I like. I don't see it affecting stolen bases as much as you think. Um, it, the rule is is on that third pickoff attempt is the runner only gets the bag if the pickoff attempt is not successful. 
So it's not like the runner is going to be taking, you know, a five-step lead off of the base and jogging to second as soon as the pitcher picks his foot up. I mean, there's still the, you know, reasonability that you're going to have to have with a lead, you know, even though you know that, you know, it's a do-or-die scenario if the pitcher does come over to you. I, there's still enough, like, reasonability in the player's mind that, like, I can still be picked off, I can't take a giant lead and go on, you know, first move on a lefty with a good move. I think that it's honestly just going to do way more good than it is going to adversely affect the game, and it's going to be great all around for everybody. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a need to adapt, and I think that's the key with all these rules. Like, people, players, fans, everyone's going to have to adapt that's involved in a baseball game. Pitchers will have to vary their looks, and what I mean by that is, you know, how long they take once they come set to deliver a pitch. And I think that'll be a, a critical um, skill to develop. You know, if you can vary your looks adequately, you don't have to use any of those pickoff attempts. Um, you know, hitters being ready in eight seconds, what are you doing playing with your gloves every at-bat? Or, or sorry, every swing even, every pitch. So like, you know, that'll cut that down. Um, hitters will have to adapt to, you know, the lack of a shift now. You know, they'll be able to pull the ball more, maybe, you know, make those kinds of changes. Um, and you know, with base stealing, maybe, maybe really quick runners will take more attempts at base stealing. So, um, as a result of the bigger plate bases. So, you know, we'll have to see a lot of adapt adapting to do yeah. 2023. Everything's going to be about adapting, you know, things are changing. Uh, maybe in a few years, we're going to see pitch, you know, pitches be able to be challenged. Uh, oh, so. that would be great. Can't wait for that day. That would be, you know, something interesting or even the robo, you know, but that- baseball's what happened? Is that when Angel Hernandez finally gets fired? I sure hope oh, so. Man. Bro, the, the umps this year have been historically bad. I don't know if it's just me, but the umps this year are just bad. So I would not <laughs> mind I would not mind the ability to challenge balls and strikes. But you know that as a whole nother topic. We can review the uh the MLB umpire Twitter account and just uh yeah. kind of roast some of the those, those stats are pretty cool actually. Yeah. It shows like how many runs were given and stuff based on call. Yeah, it's it's a whole cool stuff. You guys should definitely check that out if you're a big baseball nerd. Uh, but uh, all right, yeah. Did you uh did you say your input on this on this pitch time? Yeah, I mean, I I basically said that you know it's it's definitely going to be uh, a difficult thing for pitchers at first uh, to get used to. Um, you know, they got 15 seconds, and I know the MLB average from um from them getting set to home plate is definitely over 15 seconds. So it's another thing they're going to have to work on this off season. I just wasn't sure if you said something. No, I did. Uh, but I'll repeat it. Cause I like listening to myself talk anyways. <laughs> Ain't that you, the truth? Are you happily happy about that? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm happily happy. I did say that. Didn't I? You did. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a hello baseball moment right there. Yep. That's going uh, on a t-shirt. Um, happily happy anyways um but yeah i mean these real changes will definitely be interesting it's all about adapting and seeing what uh comes next for baseball but um we're gonna get into our final topic today uh so rawlings just announced that this year they will be awarding a gold glove to utility players now i had trouble finding out who i think would win the gold glove for utility players so i kind of just went with um, someone who's been playing a lot of utility for the Yankees, and he's he's looked good playing really any position he's played, and that is Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, 
currently has a D war of 1.1, which in, you know, 23 games, that's very good. Uh, and you, you guys have seen his highlights. He's been, he's thrown at least three guys out from right field already. So that would be my pick. He's probably not going to win it because he only has 23 games, but that would be my pick. Yeah. I mean, he's a good pick, you know, when he got called up three, uh, three plays, uh, three different positions, spectacular plays. I mean, I could see him winning that in the near future. Um, my pick, uh, this was also hard for me. I kind of just went with someone on the, uh, Cardinals. Um, I went with Brent, uh, Brendan Donovan. Um, this year he has pretty much played everywhere, but catcher and, uh, pitcher. Um, I think his D war is uh, 0.7. Um, looking at like his stats and out of all the positions he's played, his worst two are third base and shortstop with field percentage. Um, I could see him possibly being a contender for in the next few years for this award. Nice. Nice take. Um, I think that this award was essentially made for Luis Guillorme of the Mets. Um, he doesn't have the most impressive like D-War number for 2022 of 0.6, um, but he's really taken a, a big leap this year as far as his offense goes, too. Um, and I think just that kind of exposure does play into these, um, even these defensive awards. So I think Luis Guillorme, you know, really solid second baseman to pair with Francisco Lindor. Also a great shortstop when Francisco Lindor needs a day off. Um, he's played a lot of third base this year as well. Um, you know, been really serviceable while Eduardo Escobar was struggling. Um, so yeah, I think this award kind of fits Luis Guillorme's style of game. And I know he's been outspoken already since the, the announcement by Rawlings. Um, saying that he'd really love to win this award. You know, he thinks it's also made for him. I tend to agree. So, Luis Guillaume is my take. Uh, For my take, uh, I definitely stretch the whole utility player thing. Um, If you look at the Reds' defensive numbers this year, uh, it's not pretty at all. (laughs) The Reds have been really bad at defense this year. We have one notable standout. It's technically kind of a utility player. He's played all three outfield positions. Um, He's got 412 innings in right field, 36 innings in left field, and 11 innings in center. His name is Aristides Aquino, and uh, the man is a defensive stalwart. I mean, he controls the base pad so much from 300 feet away that it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I've watched him on multiple times throw people out on one-hop throws at the plate from the warning track, 10 feet in front of the warning track. The guy is an, he's a Vladimir Guerrero that can't hit, you know, he's, he, he can hit the, he can hit the long ball, but otherwise he can't hit. Otherwise he's got a, you know, top of the, top of the league cannon, Akino. just being able to throw. Akino yeah. had a great offensive week, though. I gotta cut you off there, man. Eight games. Now, yeah. see, look, don't even get me started on that because this guy is the king of short, hot flashes. I mean, his first month in the league was a record-setting home run bonanza, and then he completely fell off the face of the earth. So until I start seeing some st- sustained, uh, like Excellent. production from him over a long period of time, I'm not saying anything about his offense. But his defensive metrics are off the chart. He's got 11 outfield assists on the year. He's got a fielding percentage of 976. Uh, a defensive war of 1.6. Wow. And uh, he's, on average this year, he's um, saving 19 runs 
more than the average baseball player would. I mean, he's not technically a utility player. I'm definitely stretching the the segment here, but uh, you know, definitely notable for his defensive stuff. So I thought I'd bring him up. Yeah, I mean, all good shouts. Probably none of us will win, but uh, that's just you know, it was it was a, it was a good little topic to go through. And uh, that is going to conclude episode eight, right? We're on episode eight. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Episode eight. Wow. We've uh we've come a long way, I would say. Yeah, two months. Two months. Look at that. Two months. It's been an awesome two months. Um, whoever's been listening, thank you for joining along on the ride with us. Um, you know, we just have more content to push out for you guys. Again, you know, if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, it's all of our first names and then B Park Beef. So shoot us a follow. We're always talking baseball. Um, and then if you want to join our Discord, we got a little community in there. You could talk to us. You'll you'll be the first ones to know when the episode drops, first ones to be able to listen to it. Um, and you could talk to us. What's better than that, right? We like beef. Um, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, um, that's it for today. Every Wednesday, we drop at 4 p.m. on every single platform. So if you don't have one platform, I'm sure we have the other platform for you. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening and taking the time out of your day to listen to this. To us, I stay can't happily happy, people. <laughs> Goodbye, baseball. Goodbye, baseball, and stay happily happy. <laughs>